Welcome, everybody, to the Skeptical Skeptics Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Metzger. And I'm RJ Metzger. And we are on episode five. So we have decided to do something kind of fun. Maybe you guys will hate it. Maybe you'll think it's cool. Tell us we're stupid. I don't know. We are going to do a weird fact of the week. Yeah, I think it's going to be a, a fun... We'll try to make it a fun one. If you do hate it, or if you love it, make sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, uh, leave it in a review, leave it in a comment. It doesn't matter how, but just reach out to us. Um, let us know how we're doing so far on the podcast, and also let us know what you think about this weird fact, which is that sloths can hold up, hold their breath for up to 40 minutes, which is longer than a dolphin can, because they can only hold their breath for 10. What is the point of that? Why do sloths, why are sloths so good at this? Like, what is the evolutionary need? Like, a sloth needs to be able to hold its breath for M- Maybe they minutes. have, like, the ultimate sleep apnea, because they're so lazy, <laughs> and so they've just developed incredible, like, ability not to breathe. Or maybe it's just the fact that they're so slow and so lazy that they're like, they maybe they forget to breathe. I wonder if my dad can hold his breath for like 33 minutes. There's, he, a, there's a chance. He's getting, he's getting up there. He might be on level with sloths. Yeah, he, he's getting pretty close. Just so you guys know, we're not just blatantly being mean to my dad. He has undiagnosed narcolepsy. Although we are being mean. That, that, yeah, I mean, we're being a little mean, but he'll think it's funny. So that's what makes it okay. You know what else is insane is like this sloth can do this super cool thing. This thing that like literally no human could ever do in any like it's super freaking cool and then there's also the fact that sloths will literally grab their own arm thinking it's a branch and fall to their deaths out of trees yeah yeah so good so it's like hey good job at breathing but terrible terrible job at climbing trees the thing you do all day long well that's our weird fact of the week and what are you talking about today rachel i'm gonna be talking about the freeway phantom and i'll be talking about the Bell Witch, which is America's oldest haunt. Ooh. Spooky. As our three-year-old, almost three-year-old would say. Anywho. You going first? Yes. All right. So this is about the Freeway Phantom. He was a serial, well, we believe it's a he, was a serial killer in Washington, D.C. in the 1970s. He was actually the first ever, like, declared serial killer in D.C. Oh. There oh. was never one before him. That no one, like, in at the least. the 70s? Yeah, at least not one that someone was straight up like, this is a serial serial killer. They didn't connect enough murders. Didn't the term, like, serial killer start around then, too, though? Yeah, go watch... Mindhunters. We love that show. Seriously, watch Mindhunters. It's amazing. But yes, that's around the time. I believe it was, like, 60s to 70s. That's around the time when serial killer was even, like, deemed a term. So, yeah, he was one of... He or... mm, Believed to be he, sorry, was the first one. So first, I'm going to talk about his victims. Super fun. By the way, going to preface this, not like crazy, gory, and bad, but like, you know, murder. A little unpleasant. How many murders? Or is that part of it? That's part of it. Okay. So multiple murders, and if you can't handle it. And it's just a little bit icky. Content warning. I would I would rate it, make it, give it an I rating for icky. I like, I like that. I like that scale a lot, actually. <laughs> I thought I thought it was good. So here we go. The very first victim was killed on April 25th of 1971. Her name was Carol Spinks, and she was 13 years old. Basically, her sister gave her some money, said, hey, go down to the 7-Eleven. I want some goodies. I don't know why she couldn't go down to the 7-Eleven because her sister was like 24. And she was like, instead of being a 24-year-old grown woman going down to a 7-Eleven on my own, I'm going to send the 13-year-old girl to go do it. I mean, if you had a 13-year-old to send, wouldn't you? It just feels like a really hardcore sibling thing. Like, hey, I want stuff, but I don't want to move, so now it's your job. Becky. Older siblings are the worst. <laughs> Becky. <laughs> Seriously. Anyways. So she wasn't supposed to do this. It was like against the rules. Her mom had like, her mom wasn't home and I blatantly said, look, don't go anywhere. So while she was going to the 7-Eleven, either on the way or on the way back, after she got her goods, I'm pretty sure it's after she got it because they actually saw her at the 7-Eleven. Her mom spotted her wherever she was and like was like, basically, I'm going to whoop you. Get home. And she was never seen again alive after that. The last person to see her was her own mom getting mad at her on the street. So I'm sure that's a great way to remember anything. Anyways, so six days later, the police got a call. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know how I feel about this. I know that the 70s were a different time, but it says that some kids had been playing next to the interstate and stumbled upon her body. No. I even put, hold on, I even put a question mark at the end of it. Because I was just so like, I'm sorry, playing next to the interstate? Like, are these the same kind of interstates I'm thinking of? 
Because if they are, they are. Because it's interstate. Wait, I have the thing. I-295 in D.C. Like a real interstate. And they're just like playing. What a good time. What a great time to be alive. People are driving by going 70 miles an hour. 70s. Okay. Anyways, that just kind of blew my mind a little bit. So they found her body. They called the cops. Cops showed up. She had been strangled, sodomized, and had cuts to her face, neck, chest, and both hands. So they also believe that she was kept alive for a few days because the coroner said she had died two to three days before and she wasn't found until six days later. And on the side of the highway. On the side of the highway. Like, not that she was kept alive on the side of the highway. Well, no, I know. I'm just saying like... Dumped there. So she was dumped there. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Anywho. So let's move on to the next contestant slash victim. Her name was Darlenia, Darlenia Johnson. She was 16. And she was abducted on July 8th. So this was... The first one was April 25th, and this was July 8th of 1971. That's a lot of time between them. Yeah. So she was taken while um, she was going to the bus to go to work and then wasn't seen. So her mom reported her. Okay. And so she's 16. How old was the other one? 13. Okay. Also, I was supposed to preface this at the beginning, but I forgot. So I'm saying it now. Every single victim was a girl between the ages of 10 and 18, and she was black. So, yeah, her mom put out a missing person report because it was a long time. So it's believed that she was held for two weeks before she was killed when Carol was only held for two days. Right. Her body was actually found on the same interstate on I-295, only feet away from where Carol was found. So someone reported seeing a dead body, the same kind of thing. They weren't, there weren't kids playing on the side of the highway. <laughs> Not this time. It was someone, like their car broke down. Okay. And they saw the dead body. They reported it. The cops drove by and reported and said, we didn't see anything. They didn't get out of the car. Yeah, they didn't do anything. They just like literally drove by, said, nope, didn't see anything. Wow, that's super weird. So wait, a week later, another person called and said, there's a dead body here. And it's, according to them, rotting in the heat. So come check it out. But then the other cops were like, I don't know. The other cops were like, there other, that ghost cops already came and said, there's nothing. So it's like, what? do you think people are just like coming around and like pretending there's dead bodies on the side of the road? Like... Is that a thing that happens enough to where cops are like, we don't have to believe that. It's, yeah, maybe in D.C. Like, I don't. <laughs> right. I don't. What's going on here? Anyway, so they. Hold on. So finally, the cops came. It was a week later. Yeah, this was a week after it had already been reported. That they saw the dead body? Yes. This wasn't even like a week after the body had been dropped or the week after she died. This was a week after the first time it had been reported. And then the second time was a week later. If that makes any sense. And and at the at this point, the cops are still saying they didn't see anything. Right. So finally, after the second time the person calls, some, the cops go out and look. Okay. And they finally find the body. But the body was so badly decomposed that they could not tell what she died of. Which is 100% their own fault. Yeah. Because all they had to do was like a small glance. Get out of the car. Like, what? Since when is your job as a cop to just like, meh, we checked. Right. And especially for a dead body. This isn't like a, hey, somebody stole right. my keys. Hey, like, and then there might be a, a small pile of fireworks behind the restroom. Like, Yeah, right. Like, carry on. No, this is a human body just hanging out on the side of the interstate. Which, by the way, like, why is that where you dump your bodies? I, like, that. that's the part I'm trying to, like, wrap my mind around is, I, I mean, I have no idea where I-295 is, but, like, is that really your best bet? Well, I mean, apparently it is because the cop said it wasn't there for a full week. So. Yeah, I mean, I guess. So, they, back then, they didn't have DNA testing, right? In the 70s, there was no DNA testing. So, they just used fingerprints. And they actually had to cut off her fingers and, like, put them, like, test her fingerprints to find out who she was. I'm not sure why they didn't. Yeah, that seems a little I mean, maybe they didn't feel like trudging her body around. So, they were just like, chop, chop. Yeah, or rigor mortis or something. I don't know. I don't know. Because I feel like you have to, like, scan, like. I don't know. I'm doing weird things with my hands right now. In case anyone was noticed, was wondering right, what I'm doing. For those of you watching the video feed, you'll be able to see <laughs> that she's doing weird stuff. So much on this podcast of my part is literally me doing weird things that no one is watching. Because in my mind, everyone is watching me. Or I'm just like talking to RJ, when, which when I talk, my hands are always moving. Fun fact about Rachel. So yeah, they had to cut off her fingerprints. Sorry if my voice sounds weird at all. I have like a weird throat thing. The whole frog in your throat thing, which really is a gross weird unpleasant saying and a huge bummer when we're recording a podcast right of course especially since last week rj had the throat thing so and actually i still do that's why like if you happen to ever hear 
a hauls in my mouth. I'll try to edit it out, but yes, I am choking down some lovely uh, cough drops. Winter with to- with a toddler is just germ factories. Just the tits. It's Absolutely great. Absolutely terrible. It's a great time for everybody. <laughs> it is the worst experience. And he's just sleeping like a baby and doesn't no, he isn't doesn't affected in any way. So that was the second the second murder. Okay, so July July eighth was the last murder that happened. She was murdered on July eighth, but she wasn't found until a week later. Okay. So on July twenty seventh, a hitchhiker found a body on Interstate fifty right outside of DC. I've been to DC, but when I was there, I couldn't really drive, so I don't know where all these highways are. But they're all near each other. Oh yeah, and I think the main thing is like this dude's dumping bodies on the side of the highway. Yeah, right. That's his thing, and that's the whole reason I even put it on there. It's not really important what highway. But in case you live in D.C., you'll know what I'm talking about. But otherwise, like, the highways themselves, not important, just the fact that it's a highway. Right. So the third victim, her name was Brenda Faye Crockett, and she was 10. So she was the youngest of his victims. Right. She was sent to the store by her mother and never returned. Again, different time. Can you imagine if you saw a 10-year-old walking on the side of the road to go? Like, my mom sent me to the store by myself. Well, I mean, hold on. Something we haven't talked about, though, is, like, where these people are coming from. Like, it's not like they were walking along the highway. Well, like, other than those kids that discovered the body in the first place. But, I mean, we, I mean for Just all we playing know. playing on the side yeah, of the interstate. She, she could have been, like, a block away from her. I get it. But even now, if you did that, that would be, like, people would be freaking out. Well, yeah. but You I mean, can't do that. Totally different time. I get that. But at the same time, like. Actually, I think this, the what is it? The freeway phantom? He probably is to blame for why we don't do that anymore. That's what I'm saying. Like, did you, okay, I'm sorry. Like, put yourself in the mindset of creepers for five seconds. Be like, hey, do you ever notice that, like, everyone is so trusting in these times and we can just, like, kids are just fleeing all around wherever they want. Just, like, frolicking, playing on the side of interstates, walking to stores because their sister's too lazy to do it herself. Yep. It's like a uh, supermarket of whatever the hell you want as a serial killer in the 70s. Like, now you actually have to, like, work for your... Yeah, like, like, oh, yeah, now you have to break like, into people's houses. It's like the opposite of supermarkets and like farming and stuff. Like, now you'd have to be like the farmer. Like, you have to get up early, you have to do the work, you have to rise with the sun in order to go get a murder. But back then, it was like cruising the aisles of Walmart, just get whatever you want at a low, low price. Being a murderer is rough these days. It's, it a, it's a hard job. I mean, you literally said they didn't have DNA testing they could do and they had to like chop off someone's fingers just to get some fingerprints like these cops were not good at their job and people were literally just driving by where dead bodies were supposed to be and saying not there yeah yeah hey there's a dead body there no there isn't yeah so the 70s great time to be a murderer now not so much so she was sent to the store by her mom never returned about three hours three hours later this one's really interesting i feel like hers is the most compelling so about three hours later, she got she called her family home. Apparently, the rest of her family had already gone out to search for her because, like you said, the store was closed. So being gone for three hours is a big deal. So her family had gone went to search for her and her, but they left her sister at home just in case they got a phone call or anything, or the cops came. So she did get a phone call from Brenda crying, and she said a white man picked her up and took her to Virginia. But he was sending her home in a taxi. That's what she called and said. Then she hung up. Then Brenda called again in about about an hour later, saying that same thing. This time, the mother's boyfriend answered the phone. He asked her if she knew where she was in Virginia. She said, no. Did my mother see me? Weird thing to say. And the boyfriend said, how could your mother see you if you're in Virginia? And he also asked her to put the man on the phone. There was heavy footsteps heard. In the background, and then she said, well, I'll see you, and hung up the phone. Yeah. Her body was found a few hours later. So she'd been strangled as well, and raped, and had a green handkerchief tied around her neck. She was the first victim to be raped. Okay, and I'm assuming, like, the first with any symbolism with, like, the handkerchief, right? Yeah, the handkerchief had not shown up before. Also, that's not... Darlena, Darlenia, we don't know if she was raped, so that's not fair for me to say. Because her body was so decomposed, we don't know. She's the first one we knew had been raped. Okay. And yes, I don't know where the handkerchief came from. So yeah, the green handkerchief had no meaning before now. There was no handkerchiefs. There was nothing. Okay. And she's the first confirmed rape victim. Got it. Okay. Yes. So investigators believed that... Wait, sorry. One more question. Um, So first one, first murder was like in April. Second murder was like beginning of July. And then this, this one, one was the later July. July. Yes. Oh, mi- middle. Okay. So investigators believed that the killer had her, had her call her family first to kind of help them to not freak out. So that way he could basically kill her without people finding out. Okay. Because that's why she said the whole 
he's sending me home in a taxi. Right. So that maybe they wouldn't. But it's weird because it's like, okay, so why did he believe that they were on his trail? Because with the other girl, she kept he kept her for two weeks alive. The other one before that, he kept her for two days alive. He never felt rushed before. He never felt this. So that's where the whole, did my mother see me comes in. Mm-hmm. They believe he was asking, he had her ask that because he was worried that the mom saw her him take her. Okay. So it must have happened, happened really close to her home. Right. And there must have been some, he must have seen the mom or at least believed or the like mom a had a chance to see. Yes. Or at least like a concerned woman or something. Yeah. Right. Yes. And he was trying to piece together like how much time he had. Exactly. Right. Okay. That was the whole deal. Which, I mean, that makes a lot of sense because like if you were to pick up a young girl and you saw someone like maybe see you do this, then you'd be like, well, especially since he took his time with the last one, you'd be wondering if you had that luxury again. Right. Exactly. And this kind of this kind of stems with his next murders because you can kind of see how that fear of believing the mom saw him changes the way he decides to do things. Gotcha. Okay. The next victim was Nina Moshia Yates. She's 12 years old and this one was a little while later. It seems like his first murders were all pretty quick, but this one wasn't until October 1st of 1971. So she was walking home from the store. Seems to be kind of a theme theme here. Sending your child to the store. Her body was found found on the side of Pennsylvania Avenue in Maryland a few hours after her abduction. She had also been strangled and raped. So you can see how he's like going from taking his sweet time to now getting them, raping them, murdering them. Which is weird because like as that's accelerating, he just took a like three month hiatus from his last reported murder. Right. Trying to understand the, the, you know, inner workings of a serial, serial killer. Yeah, it's going to be a tough time. So this is actually, the press started to press the police about whether or not these murders were connected around this time. This is when they really started to make the connection, mostly just because it was strangling and sides of roads. That's basically where that connection came from. Right. And after this murder was when uh, the murderer was officially named the Freeway Phantom by a tabloid, which... Okay, not trying to like toot your toot your horn here. You suck, but that's a freaking cool name. That is a good name. Like, we, the, can we all agree that we need to stop giving murderers such awesome names? Zodiac killer? Are you kidding me? It's a great name. That's amazing. Like, we need to call Jack the, the Ripper. They well, need to be like the douche faces. Right. You're the douche face killer. Right. Like everyone hates you. You're poo head twelve. Twelve. Well, just because, like, there's one through 11 came before you. Like, you don't even get to be an original bad name. You're the guy who everyone wishes would go away. Right. Please leave us all alone and stop abducting our children. Or even better, just call them by their name. Like, you're whatever. I mean, Zodiac Killer, like, that was... Oh, we never found out who he was. I'm cutting all this. Nope. This was not your best. Cutting all that. All right. All right. But yeah, they we need to stop giving them such cool names. Because then it's like, I don't know, what if that, what if that guy was like, hey, you know... I think I'm done murdering. I think I'm over it. I've murdered enough. Maybe I'm going to turn myself in. And then they, he saw his own thing and he's like, I'm the freeway phantom? How can I stop now? That is the coolest freaking name of all time. Right. It's and like, it's like whenever you it. start a band and like you're really buying into it and you get your own album and your, your own artwork. Yeah. Mouth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. That's an on point reference. Good job. <laughs> Thanks. My references are always on point. So yeah, the badass name of the Freeway Phantom. So that one was in October, October 1st. So on November 15th of 1971, Brenda Woodward, who was 18, got on a city bus to go home from a friend's house. Six hours later, the police found her body stabbed and strangled on the side of Route 202. Again, the name of these don't matter. I'm just putting it on there to say side of a road. Wait, so this is victim five, six, four? This is victim five. There was a coat placed, like, placed over her body, and inside the coat pocket, there was a note. And this is the part that makes me believe what I just said about the whole cool name thing is true. Because the note said, This is a tantamount to my insensitivity to people, especially women. I will admit to the others when you kill me, if you can. And he signed it, The Freeway phantom well and that's the other part about the name thing is then you get the copycat killers too oh yeah because any could just anybody could just be like oh so all i have to do is strangle someone and drop them on the side of the road and i can be the phantom well and and not only phantom not only from a fame perspective but from like a deferring oh yeah because then they'll go straight to freeway phantom well not not only that but yeah and if they catch that one guy who did six other murders then you're seventh you might get off with it yeah exactly but also cool name so the police believe the note was written by woodward the victim because it was like it was a 
piece of paper ripped out of her notebook, but also it was her handwriting. And the, obviously the right the killer told her what to write before he killed her. So something weird that they noted is that they actually believe that Woodward knew her killer. And at the time that she wrote the message, <coughs> and at the time that she wrote the message, she wasn't anywhere near as afraid as she should be because her writing was in her normal handwriting and she even was using punctuation and everything. And they obviously believe that if you were in a high stress situation, your handwriting would not look anywhere near the same. You would be afraid. You'd be shaking. Like it would look different and it didn't. So to them, that meant obviously she must know this person. So 10 months went by and the detectives believed that the phantom, I was going to say the phantom menace. She was murdered by... The first prequel of the Star Wars. Which weren't we all? Maybe. Yeah, exactly. At least my boyhood wonder and rough, happiness was. Rough time. Jar Jar Binks was specifically the... Oh, oh, Jar Jar. Hey, your sister loves him. Her and, you know, no one. Three, Yeah, her and two other people that were ostracized from society. So there wasn't... For 10 months, the detective be- detectives believed that the freeway phantom was gone. But unfortunately, that was not true. With his last victim... 17-year-old Diane Williams was kidnapped while leaving her boyfriend's house. She was last seen boarding a bus. She was found by a trucker on I-295 when he pulled off of the road, and she had also been strangled. So that was the last of the Freeway Phantoms victims. But in 1974, the FBI actually created a task force to investigate the Freeway Phantom. It had over 100 detectives and federal agents. Like, this was big. This was a big deal. And they they came from all all the states that he had been in. So he'd right. been in he'd been in Maryland, he'd been in the District of Columbia, and then he'd also been in Virginia. So they right they came from all over. So they developed over like hundreds of suspects and followed through investigating each one. There was a bunch of different people. They investigated a lot of people. They thought that some of the victims knew, especially Woodward. They focused on. I mean, uh, yeah, they focused on her. But in general, most leads led to nowhere. So they believed the killer to be a man in his 20s or 30s and to be black. They say he must have had at least a high school diploma and have above average intelligence. They also believe that he knew the neighborhoods where he kidnapped and disposed of the girls because it all seemed like he was very like aware of where he was and what he was doing. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to talk about the possible suspects, the like the main ones. So the song- strongest suspect was Robert Askins, who had killed a prostitute in 1938 and served time for it. And he was freed in 1958, which, like, this dude's old. So they got a warrant. They had enough, like... Which, like, immediately breaks the first thing they said about him? Right. 20 to 30 years old. Right. This dude's like, I'm not going to guess. I'm, ba- I'm, not, I'm not doing math right now. But so they're like, let's put out a description, old. but our very first person is not going to fit that at all. Not at all. He was also white. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So not even a little bit. <laughs> not even a little bit. <laughs> These people are terrible at their jobs. Right. Also, I don't know if this matters, but the prostitute that he killed, he poisoned. So, yeah, like, it doesn't fit the M.O., not at all. Does, okay. These, these people. Horrible. So they, they got enough evidence against him to get a warrant to search his house. When they found some of his writings around the house, they noticed that he used the word tantamount more than, uh, like enough times to be like, that's weird. Yeah, that's strange. Which like, choice. I honestly don't believe I've ever used that word in my whole life. That's weird. And I haven't heard that word. I remember like the first time I, when I first read what his, his little note, I was like, oh, that's a weird word to use. So at first, when I first read this, I was like, really, cops? Like, that's what we're going with? We're going with, he said a weird word. But you know what? I'm down with it. I changed my tune. So they found it, and according to the warrant, he was, quote, known to use the word when attempting to stress the importance of matters related to his work, unquote. They also found, this is a fun time, they also found soiled women's scarves, photos of girls and young women, a knife used in another crime, and an essay from a girl. Okay, so yeah, I mean... As what? much fun as I just made of them picking him, like, now I get it. But he's just like a, like an everyday creep. Just, yeah, general purpose creep. But also, like, what what is photos of young of girls and young women? Is it just, like, a picture of a lady's face? Is it naked pictures that he shouldn't have? What is it? Like, why are we... Why do, If they're just regular photos, why do we even need to have them and quoted? If, and if they're not regular photos, why is there no specificity at all? Right, it would say, like pornography child pornography that's what it would say also i want to believe that when they say soiled women's scarves it's like they're dirty but in my brain oh yeah sounds like somebody pooed on it oh i was thinking sexual juices but oh either, gross yeah. that too yeah that's no good either way i don't like any of it yeah. sexual juices 
I mean, this has gone from icky to like very icky. Well, there you go. This There's is now next... in the rating of VI, and it's because of you. Yep. Not even because of my story. No, it's the story. No, it's you. You had to bring in that gross saying. Anyways, a knife used in another crime. I just, like, I know they probably didn't, but I like to view it as, like, they were like, oh, this knife has blood on it and looks like he killed someone, but not our girls, so we don't care. <laughs> that crime is for not task force people. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's, that's unbecoming of the task force. Move on. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just, it made me happy of another crime. Like, ugh, how dare we have to even think about this stupid knife. Just Nobody used a knife our in our crime. Exactly. So yeah, they also searched his car and they found two buttons and a gold earring in his back seat. So guy is just straight up not good. He belongs on Miami Vice. Um, yeah, this guy is a real class act. So they didn't have enough evidence to tie him to the Freeway Phantom murders, but he did get convicted of kidnapping and raping two other women and received a life sentence and he died in prison in 91. So good ending to that story. Yeah. Go go task force. That's like a fairy tale ending for a creepy, creepy guy. I like it. I like it. So anyways, maybe we went back to Icky. I don't know. So the next major suspect is there used to be a gang called, which like, if you called yourself this, I don't know, get a new name. They were called the Green Vega Rapists. That was their name. I can't even begin <laughs> to like, you want to like, join our hey, gang? Hey, yo, yo, what's up? We the Green, Green Vega, Vega Rapists. Rapist. Allegedly. Because, <laughs> like, you're literally, like, by saying that, like, if, so, if a cop came to you and was, like, interviewing you and was like, what, are you part of the gang of the Green Vega Rapists? And it's like, yeah, I am. It's like, so you rape people? What? No. I'm the Red Vega Rapist. So you still <laughs> rape people? No. No. Damn. No. Damn. <laughs> so I like the description of them. Like, we like we need this. They were a gang in D.C. responsible for many abductions and rapes in the area. What? Would have been better if they didn't put no. rapes. <laughs> They were responsible for petty theft. Right. What? So, yeah, they interviewed many of the members of the Green Vega Rapists because, you know, being in a gang normally leads to prison, just to how that goes. And so they went to the prisons and, inter and interviewed them. And there was one inmate who implicated another one of the gang members saying he could have been the fa phantom. So he basically came out and said, look, I will give you this information I have. As long as I stay anonymous, like I, no one can know who I am because there's lots of dudes in here who are also in my gang, like not a good time if they find out. And everyone's like, yeah, 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 sure, sure, sure. Like, you'll be good. So it was, then it was leaked that someone from his prison <laughs> was helping with the investigation. So dude straight up was like, I never said that and I'm no longer helping you. Right. Yay. Good times, people. These detectives just top notch. So that lead fizzled. There was nothing to go from there. They had no other proof from that whole situation. Literally, it was that one guy. And he was now gone for obvious reasons. So there was only, a, like, there was only two other strong suspects that they ever really, uh, like, announced as suspects. Their names were Edward Sullivan and Tommy Simmons. They were two ex-cops who had been arrested previously. So <clears throat> Sorry, that actually makes a lot of sense because I was thinking of the cop angle from the whole... There's no dead body here thing. like Right. Like, the cops seem a little sketchy. Right. Like, is it just you're really bad at your job, or are you covering something up? Right. I would almost rather it be you're covering something up, because if you're that bad at your job, I'm terrified. Exactly. But yeah, so they had been arrested previously for the murder of a girl. They originally, actually, the, uh, the cops originally believed to be one of the victims of the Freeway Phantom. But it was actually determined that she was not murdered by the Freeway Phantom. I guess she didn't follow the same MO, all those kind of things. So they were dropped. And that's it. It's the only leads they ever had. In 1979, the case was closed because they no longer had any leads. A detective who had actually worked on the case previously decided to reopen the case in 1987. In 1990, the detective tried to get some of the evidence that they had DNA tested since they now had the option to do DNA testing. But... The awesome, super great cops from before had done such a bad job preserving it all that it wasn't possible. Great. So awesome. they had all of this evidence sitting in front of them that they couldn't use for anything. Yeah. When they now had DNA testing, like they finally had the capability. There were hairs on the girls. There was clothes fibers. There was all kinds of stuff. And, it, well, and, the, and then the note they could have gotten fingerprints off of, all kinds of things like that. And because they all sucked at their jobs, there was nothing. Right. So the case is still open as a cold case right now. Um, since back then, they just had everything on paper, obviously. They were not, nothing was backed up by computers. 
almost all of the information on the case, almost all the evidence, almost all of the paperwork, everything is now lost. If a cop tried to come back and find it, they couldn't. Okay. It was definitely the cops. It has just been lost in the paperwork. So one detective actually came out who had worked on the case and said that he believed the inability to solve the case had everything to do with racism. Right. He he said, quote, those black girls didn't mean anything to anybody on the police department. If these those girls had been white, they would have been there they would have put in more manpower on it. There's no doubt about that, end quote. Which for the times, that makes sense. But although some believe that's true, some other people have actually said that the problem it's just a problem of the times that back then the system just sucked. Like it just wasn't good. They literally talked about how like when new administration would come in, everything would get lost. One detective, the, the main detective on the case actually talked about a time where she walked into a storage office with just open files littering the whole place, just like paper everywhere. So, I mean, there is a chance it was dirty cops. There's also a chance that it was just, everything was so muddled, much like messed up and... Incompetent cops. Yeah. Right? Well, and just incompetent everything. I mean, you think about the things we have now, like you can't lose paperwork because it's in, it's in computers. Like the only way you can lose it is if someone does it on purpose. When back then, it's like, and back then, if you wanted to do it on purpose, it was easy as hell. All you had to do was like, oh, no, I dropped coffee all over this piece of paper, and now I throw it away in the trash. Or, oh, I lit it on fire, or I ripped it up, or I shred it. Like It's just not here anymore, yeah. It's just gone. And you look, and you're like, what happened to this paper? Oh, no one knows. I don't know. Yeah. Also, because there's no cameras for them to watch and see who did that. It was... It was the 70s, not the 1870s. Oh, yeah, just kidding. Take that part out. There was cameras. (laughs) But either way, point is, even with cameras back then, like, you could physically watch the person do it, and there's nothing you'd do about it. Right. Like, you'd have, like, you'd be like, I can't get that back. Who's this blur that is, like, I can't even make out the, is he white or black? Exactly. Why is he moving so slow? What what is he doing with these papers? (laughs) Yeah. So, it's really sad because none of these families ever got any kind of closure on the deaths of their daughters and some of these deaths could have been like prevented had which i'm sure that's the way it is i'm sure if you look back on a lot of the serial killers and big murders of the time that's probably the same kind of thing but it's just sad because it's like it's all because of incompetence because of possibly racism and because of the lack of ways to keep up with information so what was the uh total kill count for him six girls six wow all within like what six months? No, the first five were within. Were the first five were between April and no April and November, and then the last one wasn't until ten months later. So that was oh, okay. almost a year later. Wow, crazy. Yeah, it's pretty nuts. Okay, cool. Ready so yeah, for... that's the really depressing, creepy, horrible story of the Freeway Phantom. Awesome. Um, and he's you know of course like every good unsolved murder mystery, he's still wandering around. Hopefully he's, people, de- hopefully he's dead somewhere on the side of a highway. Let's just like, he got strangled and is dead somewhere on the side of a highway. That'd be nice. I'd like to live my life with that belief. That'd be real nice. Okay, so I'm going to talk to you about the Bell Witch, um, which was a sinister entity that tormented a pioneer family on Tennessee's early frontier between 1817 and 1821. I love the Bell Witch. Yeah. I shouldn't love the Bell Witch. I know that sounds terrible, but she's terrifying and awesome. So it's been dubbed as America's greatest ghost story and America's first ghost story as well. Um, And it took place in a community of Red River, which became Adams, Tennessee, many years later. So the creepiness really starts with uh, John Bell. After he moves his family to the community of Red River, he is farming and sees in the middle of a, a corn row the body of a dog and the head of a rabbit. This animal just sitting Sorry, that makes it sound like there were two separate things. <laughs> it was a weird Ugh. cryptic animal with the body of a dog and the head of a rabbit. That just sounds like a jackrabbit to me. Yeah, or just like a, if you ever a saw a giant rabbit. If, like if you'd never seen a jackrabbit before, right. wouldn't you be like, that's like a normal ja- that's like a normal rabbit, but like with a the body of weird a, one. With I don't the like the body it. of a dog, yeah. Right, like you'd be like, what the hell is wrong with that rabbit? Well, no, especially if it was just like one that was like, ah, oh, yes, mother effing corn. Also, for the and he's times. He's just like eating. For how long ago the times were like this wasn't a time of like texting or phone calls or anything like that. Like he wasn't like, Hey, I saw this weird creepy ass thing in the cornfields. No, like he must've told enough people go went around to enough people and said, guys, listen to this weird thing I saw for them to say it. Yeah. So that's like, he thought of this as a huge deal. He this went, was he went to the 1820s thing. version of Craigslist and was like, keep an eye out for this. 
the next door app. Yeah, exactly. Right. Next he was door like, guys, app. yeah, beware of the creepy rabbit dog. So he didn't think that much of the uh, instance. So he did shoot at it, um, and it just <laughs> vanished. There that was, was so. That's such a like product of the times. Like, right. what is this terrifying thing? Yeah, shoot just at it. Shoot at it. He had to. <laughs> um, but he didn't think much of it. He probably he, he really did like on later accounts like reported that like he just thought it was a weird looking animal that he needed to shoot at but he didn't which means think... he totally freaked out at the time <clears throat> and then like decide was like hold on guys i made an oopsie i right. made way too big a deal out of this i gotta backtrack right but anyway so that night the bells began hearing beating sounds outside of the log cabin and so like i said that was the very first thing was this rob- rabbit dog thing shortly after that the kids started reporting gnawing at their bedposts which is like super unsettling like could you imagine just laying there and you just hear at your bedpost i don't like that at all no, if that... i heard that like they reported hearing does that mean they just like laid in bed while it happened and didn't do anything well so it was in conjunction with telling them that they also had their bed covers and pillows pulled away in the middle of the night i mean just creepy stuff right and you're just like casually sleeping through this like this is my life this well, I mean, is what i deal with every day so i just sleep yeah i, mean... I would never sleep again it's the 1820s. Like, what else could they do? You know? What does that have to do with anything? It's just like, what, like, literally, what else could you do? Like, they don't even have air conditioning or a heater. away. They had nowhere to go. I don't, I would still, I would have nowhere to go if that happened in my house. I'd still run. You think yeah. I'm staying here if someone's pulling off my bed sheet, my blankets, and my pillow? Like, I wouldn't just be like, first off, not only is that terrifying, it's really offensive and rude. I need That's my blanket to sleep. Yeah. Even if I wasn't afraid, I'd be like, um, I'm cold now and uncomfortable. Right. Thanks um, a lot, you rude, rude ghost bitch right ghost witch thing not <laughs> ghost bitch <laughs> it's so good i kind of like that better it is good <laughs> anyway so the, the bell bitch <laughs> anyway so um then it starts to escalate they start hearing whispers which are pretty indiscernible and but kind of sound like as they as they get stronger they sound like an old woman woman who's barely singing hymns so like at a distance um and then the youngest daughter named betsy she starts getting slapped, um, which leaves welts and handprints. So they're just like beating her up um, and also getting her hair pulled. Can ghosts do that? Is that like a thing? I thought well, ghosts couldn't really like physically touch you. Well, that's actually the, the main thing as to why this was never really like reported as a ghost thing. It's a, it's a witch. So they believe a, a living witch was cursing them and was sending these whatever things out to hurt them rather than a ghost was attacking them. Right. So they never said it was like a poltergeist type thing. That's why it was encompassed by the witch thing. And there is a theory in there as far as the beginning of the witch part of it. But yeah, I mean, this like it's so malicious and personified that that's why it wasn't like a quote unquote ghost story. Huh. Interesting. So at first, John Bell told his family to keep it all a secret. Like he didn't want... Um, you know, which makes sense back in the 1820s, like you wouldn't want that scrutiny. Um, but he told his neighbor, James Johnston about all this. And so Johnston and his wife decided to stay over at the Bell's house one night and James like experienced the same things. He was getting slapped in the face. He had his pillow and blanket removed and he screamed out like, you know, in the Lord, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, like, who are you? And then like the activity kind of stopped for a little while, but yeah, I mean, he, he essentially just validated what they were going through. But anyway, so as it continued on, the voice grew louder. It started singing hymns, quoting scripture, and carried on intelligent conversation. And once it even quoted word for word two sermons that were preached at the same time on the same day, 13 miles apart. So depending on where you read this, that was actually pretty well documented in the sense that like, these these two churches are still standing. One's a Methodist church, the other one's a Baptist church. And they had the two sermons that were recorded that day, and then they had, like, affidavits and, like, witnesses, statements of this happening, if you believe this story, right? I just want to understand how that happened. Like, John and his family are chilling. This witch demon weird thing is, like, reciting this, and they're like, what the hell is this? Well, the voice aspect is the one that's, like, the weirdest, because it just gets so... I mean, well, but, it gets worse. Hold on. But, like, my favorite part is, like, he's just like, what the hell is this? And then, like, he's, like, walking through town, and this person's like, hey, I was at this, I was at church on Sunday, and they were talking about this, and they start, like, this is the sermon that they said, and I remember it perfectly. And I'm like, how did they find out? How did John find out that the witch was saying this, and then he found out from that church, and they found out from that church? Like, what kind of connection did they have to make to even find this out in the first place? I would just think, like, if you had a, if you had a ghost witch voice, 
delivering sermons at your house, you would kind of probably go figure out what it was talking about. But where, how, where would you even know how to start? Like, where's John going? How many churches did he go to? And there's only like two churches also, in the whole area. Also, after you found out that that church is like, hey, I said that sermon, why would you then go to other churches? Uh, you know, like, why would you continue? Like, he already he already proved what I said. Also, like, what? why do witches like feel the need to tell you these things? Like, why would... Like, if I'm a creepy witch trying to terrify someone, I'd be like threatening them with my creepy voice, not reading them scripture, scriptures and sermons. Yeah. Doesn't make any sense. So anyway, after the sermon thing... The word about this paranormal entity spread outside of the settlement and even to Nashville, where General Andrew Jackson, Major General at the time, took a deep interest. Oh, I remember this part. I've, I think that's pretty cool because Andrew Jackson, although <clears throat> kind of the worst, is also kind of my favorite. Well, yeah, I mean it's it's one of the biggest badasses in history. So to get him involved in this is pretty cool. Anyway, so Bell's sons uh, served under Jackson in the Battle of New Orleans, and in 1819, Jackson took a trip out to the Bell Farm. He brought several men, horses, and a wagon, and en route, the wagon stopped and couldn't be pulled by the horses or pushed by the men. Jackson kind of jokingly exclaimed that it was the witch, uh, you know, must be the bell witch, right? Right. And then a disembodied female voice said they could proceed and that she'd see them soon. Like, everybody in the party heard this, and then the minute she said it, the wagon wheels just were able to move, right? And that's when you turn around and go home. And forget that ever happened. Yeah. Ex- you don't unless you're like, Andrew Jackson. Yes, let's proceed. Thank you, witch, for letting us. Oh, oh, I'm so glad this journey will not be wasted <laughs> because this witch is clearly real and will mess what with a, us. What a nice, nice lady. Good of her not to waste our time. How lovely. Anyway, so... Onward. Yeah. At the house, uh, when they finally got there, Jackson and Belle conversed and the other men just kind of awaited the entity to show herself. So there was a guy in the group who claimed to be a, quote, witch tamer, and he started brandishing a pistol saying that my silver bullet will uh, kill any evil entity that it comes across, and she's not showing herself because of my silver bullet. What is he planning on shooting at? Right. So far... It's been invisible this whole time. Other than the rabbit with a dog face, or the dog with a rabbit face. Like, there's nothing that... Yeah, exactly. Anyway, this... I mean, the guy's a moron, which apparently (laughs) she agreed. So, um, immediately, the man screamed and was jerked around the room getting beaten and complaining of pins being stuck in him. And his ass was literally kicked out the door with, quote, a swift kick to the posterior. He was ejected from the front door. First off, I love the language. Right. Second off... Do you think anyone in that group missed him? No. And the voice said that there was a second fraud in the party and that they'd be tormented the following night. So the rational people in the group were like, hey, let's get the hell out of here. But Jackson was like, you know, I'm pretty interested in figuring out who this fraud is. So I would like to stay. Um, And so he he did. He tried to make them stay uh, for exactly that reason. He wanted to see who the other fraud was and see what happened to them. Because that's the kind of guy Andrew Jackson was. That sounds so much like Andrew Jackson. Like, that is him to a T. Right. And, um, but the party was actually seen and reported uh, early in the next morning in Springfield, presumably heading back to Nashville. So they didn't make it through the night, much less to the following day. Okay. That just proves how big of a badass John Bell and his children and wife are. They're like, oh, we just have to live through this. We're getting beaten and terrified and scriptures thrown in our ears but andrew jackson and all of his big bad men were like nah nah, we're out we out bitches yep and uh so betsy who was the most tormented of the kids um the one that you know was being slapped with welts and stuff right uh she got engaged to this guy named joshua gardner and the entity openly spoke out against this engagement now here's the here's one of the one of the first theories as to who the bell witch might have been or why it was happening Betsy's teacher, Richard Powell, was interested in her when she got older as, like, a, a suitor. Um, he was 11 years older than her. And, Yuck. Yeah. I mean, he's a total creep. But anyway, so the creepy activity um, regarding the Bell Witch started around when these two people met. It was reported that he was an occultist. He was also married to a woman in Nashville at the time that he was saying all this stuff about the little girl. Um, <clears throat> and... Her and Joshua couldn't be anywhere on the land, near the river, near the field, near the cave, or anything without being taunted by this entity, right? Just, like, literally talking, smacking, anything. Right. Um, And eventually it was enough for her to meet up with uh, Joshua and and break off the marriage. Like, they couldn't couldn't go through with it. Now, the, the part that also ties this teacher to the events is once the marriage was broken off, 
Richard Powell, the teacher, his wife in Nashville suddenly passed away. Okay, but that doesn't explain like why if you are in love with someone and you want to be with them, why would he torment her and beat her so much? Like before the boyfriend or the fiance was around. I think it all goes back to Satan. Like he's just Oh cool, a, Satan. Yeah, that's I feel like that's the best reason. For he's everything. just a bad dude. He's an occultist, so like he so shows like I, his... So, like, he's, like, a five-year-old? Like, I like you, so I'm going to pull your yeah, hair and slap you yeah, across the face. smack you with a witch. And s- take your pillows and blankets and right. scratch you. I'm not saying it's a good theory. I'm also, just saying like, it's a theory. Also, like, who's this Joshua guy that straight up was like, I want to marry this girl. And then it's like, hey, look at this, like, creepy witch lady who follows me around. And he's like, cool, cool. I'm, I'm chill. I'll be here. And she, eventually, she's the one that's like, no, like, what guy out there is like, I like you enough. Like, how much does he want to, like, get her in the sheets? I mean, I would, I would put up for the witch for you. That's the cutest thing you've ever said. Well, I mean, it's true, though. I mean, legitimately, I wouldn't... I don't know if I'm that cute. Yeah, you're not that cute. I'm, it's just... I'm terrified. Like, I think the first thing where... Especially, can you imagine the moment where, like, the first time, they're hanging out, whatever, and, like, Betsy's talking, 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 and her face just gets, like, brutally slapped by nothing. Right. And Josh is like, hold up. What the hell just happened? And she's like, oh, it's cool. Like, this is my normal day life. This is just what we do. Like, when was that moment that he was like, cool, cool. I'll stick around. Like, like I'm, in, I'm here for this. Right. 90% of humans would be like, all right, bye. See you never. This is the most terrifying thing I've ever seen. Right. So the second theory behind who could have started uh, this whole witch thing or who was behind it was Kate Batts, who was a neighbor. Um, and she and John had a deal regarding slaves where she felt like he slighted her in some way or didn't pay enough for them. And um, she was actually so regarded as the reason for this haunting that people in the community openly openly referred to the Bell Witch as Kate or Kate's Witch. Like, poor Kate walking around. Like, what if she just was really pissed off and was just like, hey, dude, like, you didn't give me enough money. This is messed up. Right, and then and secondarily like, all this stuff Yeah, happened. and he's like, yeah. whatever, like, peace out. And then, like, he, all this stuff started happening. He's like, you're a witch. And she's like, I'm a what? Like... Right. You screwed me. And the and whole community is like, like Kate's witch. like, you're a witch, Kate. Yeah, Kate's witch. Like, I, like, she, and she's just sitting there like, I'm just I'm just like a normal dude. Like, I'm, I'm a normal just trying lady. to sell some just slaves. Like, Let me live. It's, it's a business. Like, what, what's it's, wrong with it's you? It's the world these days. Right. And you paid me like a lot less than we agreed to. And I'm the witch. I may not be a good person, but I'm not a witch. Right. Exactly. But anyway, so the activity died down a bit after uh, the marriage between Betsy and Joshua was called off. But the entity vowed to kill, like, John Bell. Like, apparently she was very open about this. Like, I'll kill him, I'll kill him, right? Type of thing. Everyday normal threats, no big deal. Right. He's just, like, straight chilling. It's like, enjoy it while it lasts. You know, you're going to die. Bell began having seizures, which confined him to his house. And the entity would, like, remove his shoes when he tried to walk, slap him in the face, and her loud and shrill voice could be heard all over the 330 acres, cursing and chastising, quote, old Jack Bell, which is a nickname given to him by the entity. Like, no one else really called him that. The entity would just say, old Jack Bell this, old Jack Bell that. She knows you so well, she straight up gave you a mean nickname. Right. And, and this is, like, like, such a solid This thing. is so high school, it's not even funny. It's horrible. Follows you around, like, calling you the mean name. Yeah, mean girl, mean girl's witch. But uh, John Bell died on December 20th, 1820, and they found a mysterious vial in the cupboard, <clears throat> in a cupboard in the house. Uh, which they gave to the cat, some of this liquid, who died instantly. Sad. Poor kitty. Yeah, I know. Which is like such an 1820s thing to do. Like, hey, what, what is this? Let's test it on the cat. So I gave... Uh, oh, and the voice at this point uh, cried out, I gave I gave old Jack a big dose of this last night, which fixed him. The sun took the vial, threw it in the fireplace, exploded blue, and went up the chimney. Which is like from Harry Potter. It's the flu, oh, yeah. flu powder. And the, like, flu travel network or whatever. But anyway, yeah, the, so... The Bell Witch was Harry Potter before Harry Potter. Well, I mean, she was, yeah. she the was OG. She was one of the ones in Diagon Alley, like, not being nice. Anyway, so she, uh... Good description. Right. But, uh, yeah, so that's where the story gets a little too cartoony for me. Um, but anyway, John Bell's funeral was one of the largest ever held in Robertson County, Tennessee. And his family and friends began leaving the graveyard which I'm, I'm quoting this from a website, by the way, which is in the liner notes. So if you want to read this, go for it. But, <clears throat> but the entity laughed loudly and began singing a song about a bottle of brandy. It is said that her singing didn't stop until the very last person left the graveyard. The entity's presence was almost non-existent after John Bell's demise, as if its purpose had been fulfilled. 
Some of the remaining visitations that it had was uh, in April 1821, the entity visited Lucy, which is the widow of John Bell, and said it would return in seven years. It did. So whenever it it, uh, visited in 1821, it like hung out with John Jr. a lot and they discussed a lot of things. Yeah, like they talked about like Christianity and spirituality and they like she even made like civil war predictions. I'm sorry, this but this witch murdered your father and you're just like, hey, you want to talk about like are my deep thoughts about life? Well, I mean, considering she just like delivered sermons and stuff, it's probably like she was like, hey, let's talk about Christianity. Junior's like, I got, please no. I've got interesting stuff to tell you. Please stop talking to me. At all times, I'll he, tell you. He's like sitting in the corner holding his knees, rocking back and forth. Leave me alone. And, and like, she's like, have you ever thought about God? Right. And he's just like, please, please stop. stop. <laughs> he's like in the outhouse, just like, can I get a moment, please, to myself at all? I, I want to tell you about Christianity. Like, no, please, not from you. Anyway, so... um the the entity left after about three weeks and said it would visit a descendant 107 years from then, um, a descendant of John Bell, which would have been 1935. And a direct descendant wrote a book entitled Bell Witch in 1934, but then died in 1945. So there's no record of this second visitation happening, but it is still interesting. Yeah. Um, and the Bell Farm is still said to be haunted and has voices, shadow people, orbs of candlelight, etc. can still be seen there. And stuff like that. So the skeptical part of this whole thing, which I am... Is the whole thing. Well, okay. So the story itself is great. It's a fun time. But here's where it gets, like, iffy. So the accounts... Most of these accounts came from a book uh, that was actually... So the book was published in, like, 1895. So, like, 75 years later, right? And it came from a man named like Marvin or something. And Marvin uh, got a diary from Richard Bell, which is one of John Bell's sons, right? Okay. But that diary passed through Alan Bell, which was Richard's son. So this is two generations later. And by the time Marvin started writing this book, uh, everyone who had firsthand accounts and secondhand accounts had died. And this diary was one that Richard Bell started 30 years after the hauntings, which the haunting started when he was six. So these are 30-year-old memories about a haunting from when he was six years old. Okay. And so that's a little sketchy. Um, Richard gave it to his son. Hold on. So the diary was not used as promotion for his book, um, which this Marvin guy was like a writer for the local newspaper. So it would have been a big like selling point, right? I have the original diary from Richard Bell about the Bell Witch that you all know about. Yeah, right. Read my book, right? Um, but no diary was ever produced. No picture of it was ever seen. And all leads to every account uh, weren't able to be traced. So, like, it even claimed, like, a news report that no one was able to find and, and stuff like that. Wait, hold on. So the only, like, proving document they have can't be shown, like... Well, no. So, and that that's no the other one part. No seen other than <clears throat> this Marvin guy. Right. So, on the flip side, though, you have people who say that um, this Marvin book wasn't the original documentation. It was just the first one that went, quote unquote, mainstream and that you can still find. So, like, current historians today who have, like, no interest in the paranormal, they're just literally looking at the history. Right. Have the biographies of these people, like, the... Um, like affidavits, like random like pamphlets and, um, you know, other things that they found that do link to this story. And it's not just in the sense of this Richard Bell diary. So the the prevailing thought by a lot of these people that are, you know, n- not perpetuating the story from a, from a paranormal sense, but perpetuating the story saying this is a big part of our American history. They say that the story still has root in something that happened, something weird that occurred, but the most detailed account of it could have been, you know, from this convoluted other thing. So the existence of this Richard Bell diary in the Marvin book doesn't take away from this folk folklore and all the things that they have supporting it, which is separate from this Marvin book. Wow, that's, I don't know, that's hard because it's, it's easy to see both sides. I mean, first off, it's a crazy story, right? I mean, I mean, it's absolutely insane. You hear it and you're like, yeah, great. Like bedtime, not bedtime story. No one wants to read that. Bed. Right. But you but know what creepy, I mean. Like, like camp story. Yeah. Cool. Interesting story. Thanks for the thanks for the cool read. Well, but, I think that's the thing that has kept it alive, right? Like as our first folk 
legend or one of our first like it's Paul Bunyan, Johnny Appleseed, like it's the same it's that it's so extraordinary. Well, I think but also, I mean, we're obviously all of us are pulled towards not only the weird but also the terrifying. The idea that a witch could control you so much the fact that the to the point of killing you, to ruining a marriage, to basically ruining all of these people's lives. That's like our biggest fear when it comes to the idea of ghosts and witches and things like that. Well, especially like not only us, but if you put yourself in that other time, right? Like the fear of witches and the fear of, of, of the occult and the fear of Satan. And then you have, um, I mean, they even brought in like who at the time was one of these badass superhero figures of Andrew Jackson. Cause that was another thing too. Some people say there's no account of Andrew Jackson going anywhere near Red River. Other people say, no, there were plenty of accounts, but it's because he owned land there. So could he, and, and there isn't, there's even uh, some records of him having stayed with and, and conversed with a John Bell. So like they're saying it doesn't, we don't have definitive proof either way. So however right. you choose to think about this story is, you know, pretty much up to you, but. I just feel like there has to be, I don't know. Okay. So if for all these people, at his, if, like what you said, there's so many people at this guy's funeral. And if there was a, like disembodied voice heard cackling and singing a song everyone would have talked about that that would be in all of these people's diaries all of these people's histories everything so that's actually part of why some of the prevailing people are saying like it's not all about the marvin account is because there is evidence that 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 story in the sermon story made it outside the community in the time we just don't have it. Well, it's just that, you know, at the time, like a word of mouth story is exactly what it is. It's a word right. of mouth story. And so that was really the big thing is that uh, they just didn't have a reason to document it in anything other than what it was. Well, it's like what you've always said, like back then we didn't have enough ways to document and now we have too many ways to the point where we can doctor stuff and everybody thinks it's fake. Right. <clears throat> so it's hard to look at it. But at the same time, like if there was enough people talking about it, this was, I mean, to, I mean, even if only some of these things happened or even if they happened on a lesser level that's still huge super creepy yeah that's still terrifying and when if you, you know some big stuff yeah and if you want to talk about um let, let, let's look at it so from the skeptical point of view you know it's clearly i think it's telephone game stuff changed stuff got bigger stuff you know obviously changed but i think the big thing is like if you want to look at it from there has to be something behind witchcraft. You know what I mean? Right. And I don't think it's just the creepy guy with animal bones saying he's creepy. Like, there there are there are things that, I mean, if you believe the Bible and, like, all this other stuff, like, there are tons of accounts, like, uh, all the way from the Bible forward of witches and what they can do. So, I mean, if there's anything to it, then, yeah, this is probably one of those <laughs> accounts. Like, that's, uh, I mean, and the thought behind it is terrifying. Also, there's always the chance of not only huge, crazy mental stuff, right? John could have been nuts. He could have passed down some other stuff to his kids, genetic-wise. But also, like, the stuff people were putting in their bodies back then, not great. Right. A lot of it could have given you some kind of poison kind of thing, like, like that messed with your brain. Right. Because if, like, if you think, I mean, he could have easily just given himself that poison and killed himself. And they could have, I don't know, someone could have seen the vial go in the thing and like, because they're cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, they were like, it was blue flames and it exploded. Well, I mean, I think that's the other thing too. Once you introduce, so let's say that the community at the time did think it was a witch and so did the Bell family and stuff. Once you introduce the element of the witch, like you couldn't look People at anything. People are ready for it. Right. You couldn't right. look at anything and not say it was the witch. You know, literally the fact that John Bell at any point in his life died. They would say it was because of the witch. Right. Especially because if they ever believed the witch said, I want to kill you. Right. At any moment, he could have died from a heart attack or someone could have blatantly shot him in the and chest. And they'd say and that person was possessed. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I think it's one of those things that, uh, to me, the interest still lies in something probably happened, you know? Oh, yeah, for sure. There's no way that that was, those people just lived a normal life. Right. Unless they were just amazing storytellers. Right. Well, and that, so that's another interesting part to me, which is that uh, unlike modern stories, like any of the modern stories, like Amityville and all these things where the big question is, well, didn't they stand to gain from this? You know, 
like these people didn't. No, that, they got that's nothing. the big one. Um, cause you, you have like Amityville where they wrote a book about it and you have these people who are quote unquote abductees that write books about it and make careers based on being an abductee. Uh, and that, that's the thing. These people would have had nothing to gain. I mean, in fact, like public scrutiny is what kept this folklore alive. Like that's, you know, so yeah, I mean, that part gets to me. Yeah. That's, that's an interesting thing I didn't think about. Yeah. All right, so this has been another episode of Skeptical Skeptics. We do appreciate your support, so please find us on Twitter, Facebook, give us some feedback, let us know what you do like, what you don't like, what episodes you'd like next. Um, We do appreciate talking to anyone and everyone about this. Thanks for listening.